Marianne Hogan. Ouais. <rire> Bonjour. Salut. Ça, ça va, va Ça va, Super. toi Welcome to Cross Pass, the brand new UTMB World Series podcast. Each month, two trail runners, one elite and one amateur, will meet and discuss what trail running means to them. In their conversation, they'll also reveal what drives them in life and how they express it on the hills. They will share their common passions, interests, beliefs, and get to know each other along the way. And so will we. In episode number nine, Canadian runner Marianne Hogan meets Yvon Cognes, a French runner who is passionate about performance. Together, they spoke about keeping the running and work life separate, how to inspire others, and the importance of good coffee. We hope you'll enjoy this privileged moment where they crossed paths. I'm so happy to be with you today, Marianne. You know, <laughs> no, really, really am. So let, let me point some ideas about your profile, where you do you come from and so on. So I understood that you were born in Montreal. You were part of a Canadian triathlon team. And from 26 to 28, you went to the Junior World Cups. You moved to Colorado. You had a sports scholarship and you, you followed the business master course. I think you are HR manager, but that's another question. Then you joined the Salomon running team in 2017. Mm -hmm. In 2022, you finished second at UTMB, but injuring yourself in the process. So a uh, lot of questions today, but uh, did I miss anything which is uh, important to introduce you? You didn't miss anything. I was in Colorado, but I went to school in California. So I did both. I lived in Colorado, but I studied in California, yeah. All right, so my turn to introduce you. Ivan, you have a background of engineer. You work in Geneva as a team manager for a software company. You've been running for 10 years, slowly but steadily increasing the distance. You started on the road and you ran all kinds of marathons in the world, but when you moved to Annecy, you discovered trail running and decided to trade the stopwatch for the mountain views, which I completely understand why. <laughs> uh, you're very organized to balance life, family, work and running. But I guess my question to you is, uh, when do you find the time to sleep? Personally, I have to find the right balance, as you said, between professional life and running, but also social life and also family life. So how do you find the time? It's about uh, agenda management. I think so it's really about uh, to put in your calendar you have to run tonight and you have to run this weekend and I try to balance my uh, professional appointment with my uh, running uh, preparation program but it's always a challenge yeah it's nice when you can uh, mesh social and running at the same time <laughs> that's how I like to do it that's a big challenge coming back to you Marianne I have a question about when you were young you, you did so many sports How did you decide that's the right sport I want to do? Because you had so many options. I actually, the first sport I did was figure skating, <laughs> which was definitely not the sport for me. It's nothing that I liked at all. But as a kid, I'm the youngest of four children and we were obligated to do a sport. I just switched until I found the thing that was really good for me. I went from figure skating to swimming. And within swimming, I found the sport of triathlon. And then I started doing triathlons. And then I realized that I 
within triathlon, what I preferred the most was running. And then I, I ended up as a runner, I guess. <laughs> so it means that you start to run on the road, not really in the mountains, correct? Yeah, definitely. Most of my running growing up has been on the triathlon course. So I ran most of the time on the, on the road. I still enjoy road running. I just don't necessarily like to look at my watch so much, which I feel like it's, you know, triathlon is way more about stats and I'm much more of a feeling kind of athlete. So I didn't really like that side of things. And that's something that I found really easily in trail running. But that's pretty the same for me at a certain level, of course. But I start to run on the road and then I realized it's too, you know, boring and stressing to have always a look on your watch, to see your pace and to have stats and to focus on the data and so on. So I realized that running in the mountains, it's a great experience just to enjoy the environment and not really you don't really care about uh, the timing. But for you, at your level, is it different as well? Uh, not at all. I like, uh, you know, my favorite day is just a day in the mountains, um, not really knowing where I'm going. You just leave and you don't know when you're coming back. That's really my idea of a great day. It is something that I have to control for sure, because otherwise I can overdo it. That's one of your challenge, you need to plan before and to be sure that you will not run too long distance which will be completely uh, unrelevant for your preparation? Yeah, I, I, I think it's as much my strength as it is my weakness, the fact that I w would like to be out there all day. I think it's my strength until it's my biggest nemesis in a certain way because then I end up doing too much. But yeah, that's what I prefer is, is just spending long days in the mountains is my way of, of training for an ultra race. <laughs> so this means you are running also all day or you're also walking or it's a, it's a mix? No, I work. I work full time, actually. I'm an HR manager for an IT company. So we're kind of we're in the same uh, kind of work environment. I've considered transitioning over to a full time athlete or something like that. But I think that having a job allows me a certain security, makes sure that I don't spend all my time outside. And if things go wrong in, in the running world, I have my job to kind of turn around to. Of course, it, it requires a lot of uh, discipline and, um, and commitment to being able to do both. But that's something that I'm able to put forward today and that's why I keep doing it. Yeah, that's something I have also to learn uh, on my side because when you are working all the day and you think about what will be your next race or what will be your next preparation program, the challenge is how I'm going to accommodate my working life and my preparation. I'm feeling pretty bad there because sometimes I'm running too much and it's not really relevant for mm -hmm. my level. Yeah. But the same, I think, at your level as well as a, as a professional athlete. I think it's definitely something that you need to figure out what the right balance is. And the thing is, throughout the year, throughout the seasons, the balance isn't necessarily the same. And so I think balance is something that you need to, 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 to figure out every day, not just, you know, it's not as if there's one specific recipe that works year round. I think that every week is different and you just need to adapt. And I think that that's really true for ultra running as well. Like you never know what's going to happen in a race and sometimes you need to run faster, slower, you know, adapt in a certain way. So I think that that helps as well. Mm. But can you tell me when did you find uh, running? When did you start? Like when in your life did you find running and that you started incorporated it? I think it was 12, 13 years ago. It's a nice story because uh, I didn't do any sport. I started to run, I was about 35 okay. years old, and running was completely out of my uh, you know, scope. But 
I was traveling a lot for my job. So the only way to practice a sport was to have an individual sport first mm -hmm. and to do something which is easy to practice everywhere. So just put a running shoes in your baggage yeah. and everywhere you can run. And the first time I, I ran, I took my shoes, but you know, I, I, I didn't have the right equipment. I didn't have a technical t-shirt. I didn't have the right running shoes. So it was just an experience. And I realized running outside in my district, you know, just out of my apartment, I realized, wow, there is a garden there, or there is a forest, or... So I realized that running or walking will provide me a new experience about my environment, which is completely different from when I'm driving with my car and so on. And because I'm living in Annecy, which is a beautiful place for running and trail, I realized that, wow, that's what I want to do. But it was the worst experience of my life. The first run, the second and the third was terrific. So injuries, I start to feel, you know, new muscle and my body and the reaction of my body was not what I was expecting. So I did to some discipline to continue yeah. in order to finally get some results like, okay, I enjoy by running 30 minutes. I now enjoy uh, running uh, one hour and so mm -hmm. on. So this is uh, something we take some time. Yeah. I think that that's, that's a good testament though for people who start running. I think it's important for them to hear that because it's the same for everyone. Even when I'm injured and I start running again, I think running is really hard. Yeah. <laughs> I go for five minutes and I'm out of breath and I think the body needs some adapt. And I think that that's really important for people to hear, you know. I think that unfortunately a lot of people don't get over the curve of when it starts getting easier and then you become like better runner, I guess, in a yeah. certain way. The other challenge I'm facing, possibly the same for you, is to know when you have to stop. And that's why I need a coach or I need a program. And when I start to run, it was very easy to find the program, you know, on the web. Mm -hmm. uh, so you just have to say, okay, I want to run a 10K or I want to run a marathon. So what's the plan I should have for someone who is starting from scratch? For me, it's helped me a lot to be sure that I will not over uh, running because it will don't provide anything for me. It will not improve my performance. And that's a big challenge. For professional athletes, I assume that's the same as well. Yeah, definitely. I think for me, the hardest thing is saying no to, to plans or ideas. Like, I think it's really easy to get invited to different types of runs or different types of adventures. And that's really what I like, actually, about running is that you can, you know, someone offers you to go running a specific adventure and you want to say yes. But I think at some point you have to understand that saying yes isn't always the best for your long-term health. So that's just something that I try to improve on for sure. <laughs> and saying no sometimes when you think that it's not a good idea. How do you select your next adventure or challenges? Is it because someone suggests you or now you have a plan, I think, for the next month or years? Uh, yeah, I, I think that um, life sometimes decides for you. <laughs> I had been injured for a while and I guess Western States and UTMB are two huge challenges that I wanted to do for a while. And I think now for my next adventure, I think we might get to it. But for UTMB, I, I had a good result but not a good race in my opinion the last marathon of the race was really really painful and very very brutal and not at all to the level that i i would like so for me it's very clear that i want to come back to have a better race i'm not necessarily sure it'll lead to a better result uh, in terms of like position but i i want to make sure that i come back and deliver a race that i'm 100 percent happy and proud of you know when i crossed the finish line last year i was very very there was a lot of emotions but one thing that came around that surprised me was disappointment and i i don't want to have that feeling next time that i that i get on the start line 
So you make a difference between race uh, results, your personal uh, feeling about the race? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. If I had gotten second with the, with the, with the outcome that didn't involve the injury and didn't involve me walking the last marathon of the course, I think that I would have been very, very pleased with the second place at UTMB. But because it was the result of that, then that made it more difficult for me to be, you know, happy about. So for me, it's that outcome made it that my next goal is definitely I want to come back to UTMB and I want to race it 100% healthy and, and race to the best of my abilities. I don't want a mechanical issue to be the, the reason why I'm not pleased with my result. Mm, I understand your point of view. When I'm thinking about my personal ambition on a race, uh, whatever the race and the distance, I'm really thinking about, okay, I want to be a finisher. Mm -hmm. That's my results I'm expecting. I'm also planning a, a possible time, but I really want also to go to the finish line with, uh, okay, I have a feeling that I can enjoy all the experience. I'm mm -hmm. not in a situation where it's difficult, it's very hard, my brain stops working and uh, I'm completely lo losing everything, you know. So my personal ambition is really to go to the finish line and to realize, okay, I enjoy all the race. I was there. I, mm -hmm. I was live during all the race and that's enough for me. I think finish line is okay. I need to do that with my wife because the preparation is so challenging in terms of professional life, social life, and so on. We need to be aligned together to be sure that we will take the six months needs to do the preparation. Does she run as well? Yes, she is running uh, as well. We did together the Marathon des Sables oh, really? last year. So it was an adventure together, which put harder the, the challenge because uh, you have an individual challenge. Yeah. But you have also to take care. By the way, she take care about me. <laughs> uh, the plan was I will take care about her, but because of the condition, the temperature, the challenge, finally, she helped me a lot during the... the do you run it all together or do you do your own race and then you reconvene at night? I was expected to run faster than her. So the plan was we will, uh, we will start together and uh, I will wait for her at the end of each day. But it doesn't work like that. <laughs> uh, the temperature was so high that I ran not so fast and she was waiting for me in the first milestone in the race. She supported me and she helped me to go to the end. Okay. Uh, but after three days, uh, she had to stop uh, because the temperature was so high. Body's uh, temperature was about 42 degrees. So she stopped and I continued the race alone, which was a second race for me. So I had the first race with her, thanks to her support. Yeah. And the second race completely alone. How do you guys manage the being happy for one another, disappointed for one another? Like if she had to stop at that point, like I feel like that's something that can be difficult to manage for sure. When she had to, because it was not her decision, it was the doctor's decision. Okay. You cannot continue, you have to stop. Mm -hmm. So I realized she would be very unhappy and disappointed about yeah, yeah. that. The third part of the race was after, because before it was the preparation, during is it was the real race and after it was how we are going to manage together the fact that I was a finisher yeah. and you want to continue and you want to do it again because you want your medal. So uh, the discussions we had just after the race was she asked me, I want you to help me to do the race again next year or in two years from now. And it took perhaps two or three months for me to say yes, because 
you know, when you experiment this kind of uh, yeah, yeah. race, you have to realize, okay, but it's about six months preparation. Mm -hmm. It's a one week race with uh, some risk not to go to the end. And because that's my personal ambition to go to the finish line, it's like a bet, you know, it's a risk. So yeah. should we invest so much time and energy in this kind of uh, race? Because she wants you to do it again with her? Yeah. yeah. So now I decide to say yes. Yes. I'm going to, to go with her and uh, we will do it again. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Did you I experiment heard. this kind of... Uh... No, I, I've, I've done a couple of stage races, but stage races somehow scare me. <laughs> Why? Because I have a tendency of going to like the extreme every single race that I do. Like I usually completely destroy myself. I usually when I cross the finish line, I have trouble walking after. And so it's really difficult for me to, to control myself within a stage race because every day you just demolish yourself and then at the end... you. <laughs> so uh, I, yeah, I, I like it. I think it's an even bigger challenge for sure stage races. My first stage race was the Transalpine out here in Europe with Mathieu Blanchard. I completely demolished myself. I remember uh, when the day was ending and then I couldn't uh, function. I had to go spend the rest of the day in bed because I, <laughs> I couldn't do anything else. <laughs> and what are the lessons you learned from Mathieu Blanchard you, you could share with someone like me who is a very junior in, in this sport? So he's kind of like you in a sense, he's an engineer and so he's very disciplined and he will do everything in order to have the best performance, which is completely different than me. Like we have completely different brains and I think that that's why we mesh really well is he's always there kind of have like the right way to do something and I'm always there to have a good time doing something and so sometimes it's good to kind of bring those two together. I think he's just uh, the proof that if you are dedicated and work hard towards something, there is incredibly huge room for growth. And I think that that's what everyone should learn from, not only him, but everyone who just works hard at something. I think that the more you work towards something, the better you will become at that one thing. And so I think that he's a prime example of that. You know, he started running at, um, he must have been late 20s for sure. And he was able to become one of the best ultra runners in the world. So I think that he teaches everyone that it's never too late to, to kind of go for your dreams. Mm, that's a good advice. As an engineer, as you said, I'm used to use a lot of the data, you know, all the Sportwatch website are collecting for you, providing some personalized program and so on. I'm very focused on this kind of data. Are you also really data driven when you are preparing yourself or you just use your feeling to know, okay, I'm in a good shape today or I could do more? Yeah, I'm a very feeling-oriented athlete, but I am trying to modify that a little bit because I think that my feelings aren't necessarily always good. I never see the, the, the red light that should be flashing in my brain that says this is too much, you're, you're going to break yourself. And so I'm trying to incorporate more and more data just to kind of get a better idea of where my limits are. But I think that I will always be more feeling-driven than data-driven just because I think that, um, you know, you're... you're your watch and your heart rate and your the pace can be telling you something but but if you're feeling great and you you know why not go for it that's kind of my mentality and so I think that that's why sometimes it's uh, it's really good but I think that I could use a little more data in my life to kind of get more organized. Mm, okay that's interesting because I was thinking that uh, professional athletes like you do have a plan a strategy but in fact you have some flexibility so it means that sometimes because of the weather because of how do you feel you, you could adapt? Yeah and I think that most uh, professional athletes will say that they have a very strict plan and they follow it it's just not the way that I have decided to go about uh, 
running your race. But again, it's something that I could improve. There's room for improvement for sure. And I will say that. But for me, it's important to, to keep an element of uh, fun even through the nutrition strategy. You know, a lot of people laughed last year because I had a pizza at Courmayeur. Um, so yeah, I, I am a little left field with that. But uh, sometimes it's crazy. But for me in the race, I get hungry. So I'd rather eat something than, you know, stuff a gel down my I think the, the key thing for nutrition is knowing that what works for you, you know, not necessarily go through the textbook, but I definitely have some staples, you know, like I have like some purees is what kept me through UTMB. So those are certain things that I know that if I can't eat anything, then that's the one thing that goes through. So those are things that I, I fall back I, I, I have a similar experience. I'm used to practice a lot. I don't want to explore, you know, new nutrition, a new bar, a new fruit or whatever. I think pizza, it's... Not sure it's a good advice for me. <laughs> Not sure I will use that. But I understand that sometimes you need some flexibility and think about your feeling. Initially, I was used to put some alarm, you know, on my sport watch. So oh, it's yeah. 20 minutes or 30 minutes. Don't forget to drink or don't forget to eat something. And it was very boring. And I realized, no, it, it doesn't work like that. So at the opposite of you, I'm moving away a little bit from the data-driven preparation and, and the strategy. I cannot speak about a strategy for me, but I can speak about what I want to achieve, what the milestone, mm -hmm. what the expected time. And that's what I like in the trail and running as well, is really to have an opportunity during hours to really focus not only on your environment, the landscape and the other people who are running with you, but also about yourself and how do you feel and understand sometimes you feel very bad, but it, it's like a magic for me. Sometimes during one hour, it's terrific, you know, and after one hour, Wow, it's like a sunrise. Uh, everything come back and I feel better and so on. Is it something you feel as well? or? Yeah, definitely. And that's why I prefer to be a feeling runner because when you're feeling really well, if you limit yourself with a certain pace or a certain heart rate, I feel like you're not maximizing your abilities. And that's why I'm always like, if I'm feeling really well, I'm going to go for it. And there's no reason why I wouldn't. But that's just my philosophy. I know that from professional experience and personal experience, we are learning a lot from failures. We are not learning so much about success. When you're success in something, you are used to say, okay, that's great. I was the right, at the right time with a good preparation. I'm very happy, but you don't learn so much. Failures help you a lot to know, okay, how do I feel when I have to jump on barriers and obstacles? And I think personally, motivation helped me to just to go on the website and, uh, you know, enter my name mm -hmm. for the next race. But motivation, this is not something you can expect. It will be your fuel in order to do your preparation and to manage injuries and so on. I'm used to say that discipline helps a lot. So you need, let's say, 5 or 10% of motivation. And for the rest, you need discipline. Yeah. Otherwise, uh, you will not run outside uh, uh, when it's raining uh, or it's very cold or it's very hot. You need discipline. Just do that. Are, are you in the same approach or motivation is everything you just need in order to practice and uh, run? Uh, no, same thing, I would say. What I like too about ultra running, and I think that everyone somewhat likes it, is that it's not an easy sport. And so I feel like you feel even more accomplished when you do something. That's what motivates me, you know, is knowing that like, I work hard every day and when I'm finally going to do something that is big and when we all accomplish, like 
we, we can't minimize that running 100 miles is difficult. And so I think the feeling that's really fun is crossing the finish line and being proud of yourself for not just the race that you've done, but the preparation that you've done leading to it. And so that's what's motivating to me. I, I like the everyday grind and if I could, I would grind all day. You know, it's just sometimes my body doesn't allow me to do so. <laughs> so you are human. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> we all are. <laughs> that's a good news. Do you do other sports? Probably I would do something else. I like very much uh, trekking okay. and walking and uh, also going to the gym. The best preparation for me would be a mix of uh, running and gym. But uh, I do have a personal coach and she used to say, no, gym is not right for your preparation. Really? Yeah. So I, I'm just spending one, uh, one hour at the gym per week. All the rest is just about uh, running. But I would love to find something which is a good balance between running, gym and trekking. Gym and trekking are two things that could help you for sure in your running races. When I, it will be too challenging for me, possibly I will move to trekking, stage trekking, uh, yeah. like, uh, you know, the Pilgrim's Way to uh, Santiago de Compostela, for example, yeah, yeah. which is a huge uh, uh, training. My uh, parents have done that. Do you think about uh, that? Do you, would you like to do that? Yeah, I'd really like to do that, actually. I feel like um, that's the one thing that makes me want to quit my job is that I could leave for long adventures, you know? Like, um, there's a lot in the States that are popular, like the Appalachian Trail or the Long Trail. or like, I, I definitely really, really want to do that someday. But uh, I think it, I'll wait a little bit before I do that. Yeah, that's one of my best personal experiences. Everything we are doing in the running could apply to this kind of experience. And uh, it's stage adventure and you meet uh, lots of people. Yeah. And, and what I really enjoy in the trail, it's not an individual sport. And that's what I realized. I will run with other people and we care about each other. So do you need something? Uh, do you want some water? And this kind of uh, collaboration experience, is, it's a great experience. And you can get the same uh, on long trekking. Yeah. And I also think that it's a very simple life, you know, when you go on a trekking adventure, like for X number of days, all you have to do is walk, is go forward. And I really, really appreciate that. I think you don't have to think about anything, you know, you're not necessarily in a hurry to get anywhere because you're just going forward. And that's a dimension that I really, really enjoy. What is very funny when you meet someone, you don't really care what is your job or you just ask what is your first name and where do you come from and where you are going? Yeah. That's the only three questions you will ask. And sometimes you meet people, you know, during two, three, four, five days, and you feel like it's your best friend for yeah. life because you, you experiment the same situation. And as you said, you are completely disconnected. And, and that's the way we should do this kind of uh, long way or long uh, uh, adventure. It's just to say, okay, I can feel very happy with more or less nothing. Mm -hmm. That's a great experience. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah. I definitely want to add some of those on my, on my to-do list. I just haven't gotten around to do it yet. <laughs> Part of your to-do list, you, ha you have next challenge already planned or you are still waiting for what will happen with your current injuries and so on? Yeah, I think my next uh, for me is just figuring out how to get healthy and then, the, and then I'll, I'll get on the new challenge. But I, I do hope that UTMB 2024 will be will be an option for me and, and so far it's looking it's looking pretty good. We are in Chamonix today. Uh, UTMB is starting in the next uh, days. Uh, you are here. Uh, how do you feel? Because uh, not being able to run, possibly it's uh, generated a lot of uh, frustration, not for you? 
Uh, yeah, it's not too bad actually. I think that if you had asked me in April when I got injured, I was very, very frustrated. There was a, I'm not gonna lie, there was a week or two that I was in a very tough spot. But I think, you know, when you go through tough situations like that, what's really important is accepting it and knowing that, you know, this is my reality and actually there's no way that I would even be able to accomplish 100 miles if I lined up in, in, in a week. So it's not as hard for me to accept that. I'd much rather be out here enjoying the atmosphere and living it differently. It's actually not that bad for me. It's also giving me more motivation to, to show up again at a future date. Um, I'm hoping it'll be 2024, but we'll see. I'm just happy to be part of the festivities for sure. <laughs> That's a great news. So no plan to move away from the ultra trail running no, and definitely not, no. <laughs> so you will continue? Yeah. You have also other experience, uh, Paralympics, for example. Uh, could you speak a little bit about that, what you did and why? Yeah, for sure. What started my whole injury cycle is that I, I broke my leg. I was on a trail run and I, I spiral fractured my tibia fibula. I got a couple surgeries to get back and that took me away from the sport for a really long time. But in the midst of that, I was contacted by the Paralympic national team in Canada. They were looking for a guide to help Jessica go through the Paralympics in 2020. And they had called me in 2019, which I thought was very good because it was a year after I got surgery. I wasn't even able to run five kilometers at the time. I really wasn't able to do much. I felt as though, you know, getting back into the triathlon world would get me back in shape and kind of have me focused on a goal. And at the same time, it's, I think it's an experience of a lifetime, which is definitely what happened. But then uh, obviously we all know what happened. Tokyo 2020 quickly became Tokyo 2021. And I had already committed to helping Jessica get to the Paralympics. So I decided to stay on board, but it definitely kind of deferred my return back to trail running. I don't regret it at all because we had a great time at the Paralympics. I don't think that is an experience I will ever live again. And it was definitely one of the most heartwarming experience I've ever had. When you're a guide for an athlete, I think it's not just about guiding her through the triathlon. It's, you know, you're a guide through everywhere we go. You know, we travel the world together and, you know, I'm her eyes when we're out in different places, you know. I don't think there, you can be more of a team sport than when you're guiding someone at the Paralympics. And um, it was an experience that I'll definitely always remember. I made some terrific friends along the way. And, and uh, yeah, it, it was very interesting. It, it, it broadened my horizons too. And I think it also helped me become a better communicator. I think you forget sometimes how important it is to mean what you say. <laughs> I learned that the hard way with her is like sometimes, you know, when you say something and she does, she can't see and she was also deaf from one ear. So you really have to make sure that every word you say means something and it means exactly what you say. And so I think that that's, that's just something that's definitely a, that was definitely interesting from the experience. Oh, that's a great lesson of communication. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So do you have uh, any time for hobbies in your life other than running or is running and family work mostly of what you do? Well, I'm super active, so I'm doing a lot of stuff. I'm working for the software company and um, running a lot. And my hobby, which for some people could resonate not really as a hobby, but I love teaching as well. So I am a professor in some universities oh, in nice. Geneva. So I'm managing some executive training for professionals uh, in digital transformation, business consulting and so on. So for me, it's a really, it's a hobby. So I'm, I love to take time to prepare the content I'm going to deliver. 
engage discussions with the participants of the program, be part of it. That's something I'm used to leverage in my professional life as well. I mean, people I'm working with and myself, what we love to do is to learn new things. We have role activities, but what makes people happy to do their work is to be sure that they will continuously learn new things. And this is exactly what I'm doing with the universities I am part of, is to identify new domains and to share experience with students or with professionals. So I know that it's a strange hobby, but that's my personal hobby. Yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> and you? I think I probably similar to you is a pretty busy life, but uh, I am an HR manager, but I'm also a coach with a company which is called the La Clinique du Coureur, the running clinic. So that obviously is not necessarily a hobby, but it's nice for me to do that. I like to accompany people into reaching their goals. So with that and work and running, I'd say that those are my main hobbies, but I bike a lot now. And for me, I'm a very social person. So I guess my hobby is spending time with friends and my family. I'm the youngest of four children and every one of my siblings are now having children. So it's really nice to kind of spend time with, the, with my nephews and nieces. I have a question for you, Marianne. If you could have uh, any celebrity as your running partner, who would it be? That's a good question. I, <laughs> I'm not someone who gets, I guess, inspired by celebrities. I'd rather find inspiration in people that surround me. I think that there's a lot of things that people around you do really well, and I think it's good to get inspiration from them. And so I think, I don't know, to me, like a celebrity is somewhat outside of your scope and I'd rather stay within, you know, in, in the sense of like, I think there's a lot of uh, inspiration to take from people around us. And I think there are definitely people around me that are, that would be considered a celebrity. So <laughs> I, I would prefer to go running with them. I prefer to go running with my friends and kind of have a good time with them. <laughs> yeah, so you have a celebrity you are running with. Well, I guess so. I guess people are now considered celebrities in the ultra running world, yeah. Which is nice. It's nice to see the ultra running scene getting more popular. I think that when we are running this kind of extreme adventure and obviously what you are doing, but at a certain level also what I'm doing, like the Marathon des Sables or running marathon and so on, what is, I think, very interesting as well is sometimes to be able to influence others to move away from their comfort zone and to just start to do something, you know, not to explain what they are to do, but just to inspire them. Let's start a run or let's just start an adventure. Uh, it could be very, you know, small race or very easy race, but just try it. Yeah. And that's why I think that you have a critical role there, not just to demonstrate the highest level of your sport, but also to inspire people that they could start with something pretty easy for you, but which could make a lot of sense for yeah. them and change their life. Yeah, and I, I, I really mean it. Like recently, I, you know, when I was injured after um, a couple months of, I was outside of the game, I started running again. And my first one was like three times one minute run, one minute walk. And uh, I was really out of breath during those one minutes. And I think that sometimes, you know, people are quick to say like, oh, it's easy for them. And, you know, they, they, it's, running is easy for, for some people, but it really isn't. I think that we train our bodies to do what we want them to do. So I think people need to re remember that. And that's what the message that I want to send because I feel like that, yeah, you, I don't think you can, you can go from the couch to 100 miles in a day, I mean. But I definitely think that, you know, if, if you decide that that's what you want to do, you can definitely go from a couch to 100 miles if you put the work in. And I think that that's what I want to influence people to think because that's really my reality is that when I leave the couch for the first time, I running is hard and my hips hurt and I'm out of breath and I'm not 
you know, I'm not that good of an athlete from the basis of it all, but then when I start working at it, then I see tremendous improvement. And I think that that's what's really motivating and should be motivating for people. I'm very pleased to listen that you, you are, let's say, ordinary people. So sometimes because of injuries, you need to move away from your comfort zone. And uh, it's a lot of work. It's not just talent. You have talent, of course, but it's also a lot of preparation discipline uh, if you had to inspire someone what would be your advice um i think it's important to put yourself out there and get out of your comfort zone for me running has brought so much to my life most of my dear friends are runners most of my traveling has been through running i guess the lifestyle that i have today that i wouldn't change for anything in the world is due to running and that's something that i gave myself it's not as if i I woke up one day, like I said, and I'm not a born runner. I'm not your typical kind of runner. And I think that there's something to be said about building something for yourself and living the life that you want through it. And I think that it's definitely never too late to start running. I think that a lot of people start running later on in their life and it can happen very quickly. But I think the most important thing of, of all is that you do something that you love. And so if running isn't a thing for you, that's really okay but you should do something that you're extremely passionate about because it's gonna bring you a life of joy. But I do suggest that you find something that really makes you passionate about, regardless of what it is. It can be arts, it can be sports, it could be music, it could be whatever it is. But I think that the happiest people are the people who do what they love and there's no reason for you not to do that. For people who do have a professional life, which could be a source of stress, sometimes frustration, because it's not just about success, it's also about uh, failures, uh, challenge, uh, frustrations, or uh, lots of things who are out of your control. When you do have this kind of hobby, uh, this is like uh, uh, your personal garden where you control everything. So you decide where you want to run, you decide how you want to prepare yourself. Obviously, you don't control the weather, you don't control uh, how you will feel during the race, but at least this is a zone where you can practice, you can fail, and nobody cares. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's a good balance. I work hard because I run hard. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that's the mix I need. And that's why when I'm working, I'm used not to speak too much about what I'm doing in running because I don't want people to think, okay, but this guy is running two hours per day or one hour per day. So it's not really working. And on the other side, when you are running, I'm just speaking about running with my uh, runner's friends, not so much about my work because that's something else. And I, I, I try to split. Do you do the same or do you merge your professional and... Uh, and your sports? No, I definitely split. I definitely do not talk much about running when I'm at work. People, How it's possible? Yeah. How it's possible? People know me as the HR manager, you know, not necessarily as the runner. And although I do show up in, at work in running clothes all the time, so <laughs> that kind of gives it out. But uh, no, I, I think it's important to have a lot of different things that you can kind of lose yourself in. And, you know, when I'm running, I lose myself in running. And when I'm working, I lose myself in work. The balance is, you know, I like to run. If I'm in Montreal, I like to run to work and run back because as soon as I start running, I forget about work and vice versa. Even for a professional athlete, with, I assume, a lot of pressure from your partners and so on, you do have this capability to balance your professional life and your sports. How it's doable? Do you, do you get any pressure to dedicate your time and your day on your preparation? 
No, I'm not someone who feels pressure very strongly. And I think that it comes from the fact that like I run because I love to run and I guess I just happen to have good results. But uh, it's not as if I run to perform, you know, I run because I love it. And of course, when I line up, I give it my very best at every single time. And if it happens that I'm on on the podium, then (laughs) all the better. But I think that, no, I don't feel the pressure that way. I think that, like I said, to me, work kind of provides a balance for me at the moment i'm not saying that i you know it's not because i work today that i have to work tomorrow and it's not because i quit tomorrow that i don't have to start over again the day after i think that you know we're too quick to say like it's black or white whereas we can do in the middle and and my work is really good actually they they accommodate me a lot working overseas and flexibility when i need time off i take the time off and uh when i was injured this past year it's helped me tremendously to have work to turn towards what you like something that you said a couple phrases ago is that nobody cares and i think that that's the thing that we all need to remember about pressure is that like yeah you put a lot of pressure on yourself and yes sponsors might eventually put pressure on yourself to perform but in the grand scheme of things nobody really cares yeah people are happy that i finished second at utmb for a little while but it's not going to change your life it's not going to change you know they're like oh very good for her but it doesn't change anything for anyone else than yourself so if you realize that then you're like oh well i'm only doing it for me really pressure should be off because it doesn't really change anything Three, two, one. It's time to play a little game and uh, I'm going to share with you some facts and one will be true and uh, two will be false. The game is just you to find out the right one. Okay, there okay. is a lot of traps. So, okay, okay. <laughs> <It sounds good. laughs> so let me start with the first one. So 30 years ago, I bought an airplane model. If at some point when facing, you know, a particularly difficult time in my life in the future, I've always said to myself, I will just take a break and I will build this model I now both uh, three decades ago. Today, I never needed it so far, but we never know. The second one is uh, 15 years ago, I was in Montreal and I got stuck in a Starbucks because of uh, some very heavy snow that fell from the roof in front of the door. It took hours to get out, but everyone around was very friendly. You know, that's the, that's the spirit and the mindset in, in Quebec. Everyone around was very friendly. We had, of course, free coffee, cakes and so on at this, at this occasion. Sounds pretty true to me, but keep going. <laughs> possible, let's say possible. And, and the last one, uh, I am a huge fan of the Beatles and especially the, the singer Paul McCartney. He came to France. I booked, obviously, I booked my ticket. I, I took a few days off. I wait from nine in the morning in front of a backstage entrance. And finally at five in the afternoon, he came in and I, I shook his hand. And for me, it was and it is still a moment I will never forget. So first fact, uh, the airplane, the second one, Montréal, and the third one, Paul McCartney. I was thinking about the Quebec thing, but I think that might have been the trap, is that you're trying to build a story that I'm aware of. So I'm going to go with the truth is uh, Paul McCartney. Uh, no, 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 no. I'm a big fan of Paul McCartney, but I never thank his and unfortunately I would love. Did you go to his concert or no? No, no, no. no. I didn't try. I, I was in Montreal, that's correct. 
but uh, I was not uh, stuck, stuck in, in, a uh, Starbucks? in a Starbucks. <laughs> so no, I was it, completely it, wrong. It was a different situation. Basically, it was so cold outside. The only way to visit Montreal was to go from a, a coffee shop to another coffee shop and you just stay out 10 minutes, no more. Yeah, because yeah. for me, minus 25, it's, it's the maximum. Death, yeah. So that's why the first, uh, first one, yes, first correct. One. I bought this airplane model. It's like, a, yeah, it's a, it's a secret, by the way. And, not uh, anymore. <laughs> and now not anymore. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's like it's like something uh, like a, a backup, you know, like a, a breaking glass process. Or Is that something, something. now you, you might do during your retirement, perhaps? Perhaps, yes. Yeah. So I'm also thinking about you know trekking and uh, yeah. So I have multiple options. Maybe you options. can build it, fly somewhere, and do a trekking experience. That's an excellent. I think uh, that idea. could be your goal. Exactly. <laughs> I take it. Thanks. All right, my turn. So my first truth is that my favorite thing in the world is celery. Wherever I go, I have a piece of celery in my bag. In fact, I have a bag here and you can find a piece of celery in it. My second truth is that ever since I've been born, I have two toes that are stuck together up until the middle. And my third truth is that my great-grandfather was a general in the Canadian Army during the Second World War. Wow, everything is possible. I love the second one, <laughs> to be honest. That's a great story. <laughs> so I would select this one. Is it true? Yes, it's true. Wow, uh, two toes I, that I'm, I'm lucky, I'm lucky. <laughs> yeah, you're very lucky. <laughs> but uh, I guess that's why I started off as a swimmer, is that I had some fins, you know. <laughs> oh, that's a great... Uh, is it a trouble when you're running? No. no. It's never a trouble. In fact, I forget about it most of the time until someone sees them and points it out to me. We do have some questions from the community. UTMB has asked the community what they want to know about you, Marianne. Uh, we do have one question from Francesco Pupi. Uh, I think that you know Francesco. Francesco is an Italian edit runner. Yes. And uh, he asked a question and something we already addressed, uh, but let me give you some time to go back to this point. Do you feel any pressure from the outside and from your sponsors to get back to running as quickly as possible after your injury? Uh, no, actually not at all. I will admit that when I got injured again in uh, April, it was a difficult conversation for me to have with my sponsors, just to admit the fact that I was injured yet again. But everyone has been very, very supportive and many of them have said, you know, whenever you're healthy again, you can show back to the start line, but there's been absolutely no pressure from anyone. And that's really the reality I've faced in the last years. You know, I've, I've been with Solomon ever since 2017, but from 2017 to 2021 or 2022 even, I didn't do anything or almost nothing. And I think that that says a lot, not just about that, you know, not just Solomon, but all of my sponsors. I think that they've been very supportive throughout my, uh, my injury process. And I think that it's super important because, um, Injury is part of the game and whether we want it or not, they happen and you know, it's, it's kind of like a rotation. They will happen to everyone in, at a different time and I think that that's a reality that sponsors need to be aware of and I think that um, we're as valid as injured, injured, I was going to say employees, but injured athletes as we are as an as a able athlete, I think. I think it's a great demonstration of commitment and understanding about the risk of your sport. Mm -hmm. well. Absolutely. We do have a second question from Johanna, and Johanna asks you, what is your biggest fear when you are standing on the starting line? I'm not someone who has big fears, but uh, I think my biggest fear is, uh, it's silly, but uh, turn, twisting an ankle. I think that is uh, something that, you know, we don't think about too often, but it's true that it could happen with every step. That's actually how I broke my leg. Uh, it's just on an easy run. I twisted my ankle, it got stuck, and I 
and I fractured, spiral fractured my tibia fibula. So I think that, um, you know, my biggest fear is always that injury is the thing that prevents you from doing what you think you can. And so I guess my biggest fear is that my brain is more developed than my body, um, which is often the case for me. So it's just outside circumstances impacting your performance and your ability. So, and I feel like sometimes a twisted ankle is just super silly, but can really derail your, your objectives. We have another question from Chloe. You are known to be a very positive, and I confirm, a very positive and enthusiastic person. Have you always been like this? Are some days tougher than others? How is Grumpy Marianne? <laughs> I think I've always been like this. How is Grumpy Marianne? I think Grumpy Marianne is when I just realize that I'm really injured. I think that that really gets to me. And it's not that I'm grumpy, actually. It makes me sad. <laughs> um, I don't really get mad or angry. I just get circumstances sometimes make me sad. But I try to move on from them as quickly as possible. And I think for me, being happy is part of accepting what you're going through. And whether you go through it angry or you go through it happy, you're gonna have to go through it anyways. And so I feel like you might as well be happy while you're doing it because it's my reality now. I was injured, you know, I injured myself and I have to move forward. So I might as well still try to make the best of it. I like to go to bed at night thinking that I did everything I could to be the, you know, the best person I could be, but also be the happiest I could be. And so I think that if, if I ever find myself in a situation where I'm not too happy and I go to bed and I'm thinking like, hmm, why am I not happy? And I try to figure out like, what are the things today that didn't work for me? And I try to move away from those things. Um, you know, it could be either a situation, work that you're doing, people that are around you that aren't necessarily the right people for you. I think it's important to question yourselves on those things because I, I don't think there's a reason why you shouldn't be happy on a day-to-day -day basis. And if you're not, then ask yourself why you're not and move on from those things. And so that's just kind of the things that go through my head. This is a great uh, lesson of life. Uh, whatever you are doing in life, uh, we should think about that each day and take decision and execute. The challenge sometimes uh, on my side is sometimes you feel not so happy, but you have to identify the actions and you need also to execute the action. So it's uh, all the process which needs to be complete in order to change away and to move away from a bad situation. But I understand that's a, that's a great lesson. And I think that you can apply and that's the beauty of this kind of sport, which is an extreme sport. You learn so much during this kind of adventure about yourself, about others, about uh, um, how do you jump on barriers and so on. So this is very helpful in your personal life as well, uh, uh, with your family, friends or professional. And, and this is something which is, a, I think, a good combination. That's why uh, personally, uh, I recommend to do both, to, to have a professional life, of course, but yeah. also to have this kind of experience where a lesson you learned uh, can be very helpful in order to, to be happy. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much for, for taking the time to discuss uh, with me today. It's really nice to, to get to know you better. What is your next big uh, milestone then? Are you, do you have any big goals for, for this year? I know that MDS looks like it's going to be the year after that, but this year, do you have anything else going on? Yeah, that, so thank you, Marianne. I really enjoyed these discussions together. It, it was a great opportunity for me, you know, to, to speak with someone with your uh, experience, but also uh, approach to life and how to deal with injuries and challenges and so on. So what's next for me? So I will run this uh, MCC, which mm -hmm. is next Monday. Uh, I will take some time, I think, <laughs> to 
to, to do something else, change my mind about so much preparation and so on. And you mentioned Marathon des Sables. I will uh, re-engage for sure. And I'm, I'm still thinking, but if you have any advice for me, what would be a, a good race for, for someone races? like me? Yeah. Huh. For bucket list races, I think there's so many. I think for me, what I want to keep doing is finding areas that I want to visit and then do a race there. As opposed to doing a race for its prestige, I think I want to keep racing places that I haven't been. You know, like it'd be nice to go to Argentina or Australia or, or things like that. Like I think it's nice to use running as a reason to travel and discover new people, new places. And so I think that that would be my recommendation is not necessarily find a a race but find a place where you want to travel to and then find an event within that race and if you can bring your family then it's it's like a, a big vacation for everyone <laughs> thank you for the idea thank yeah. you Marianne yeah thank you so much that's it for today we hope you enjoyed this moment and found some inspiration to get out on the trail paths if you did please give us five stars on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and share it with a friend a colleague or someone you just crossed paths with If you don't want to miss the next episode, subscribe to the podcast and follow at UTMB World Series on social media. We will be back next month for a new extraordinary meetup. Stay tuned. <laughs>